0: And if you order today, you can save 40% off, use the promo code FAKE THE Nation at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to TryMiracle.com slash nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle made. Go to TryMiracle.com slash nation and use the code FakeTheNation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's TryMiracle.com slash nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Maid, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we provide you with a bonus episode. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is a bonus episode of Fake the Nation. Why? Because I, your host, Nagin Farsad, watched the debates last night, and yet I recorded earlier in the day, what's a gal to do? A gal is to provide a bonus episode. Um, And today, we are joined, and by we, I mean me, I'm referring to myself in the royal we, like a fucking (laughs) fuckball. Fuckball. I am joined um, by, oh my gosh, she's one of my good friends. She's a visual artist, a filmmaker. She's based in Brooklyn. Um, And then in November, this is so exciting, she's going to have short film screening at both the UK and Moscow Jewish Film Festivals because she's fucking international. Uh, She's so fantastic. Um, I love her so much. It's Danielle Derschlag. Hey, Danielle. Hey,
1: Nikki. Thanks for having
0: me. Oh my gosh, Danielle. We watched the debates last night. We sure did. And... Let me just start with like a like a broad question about performance style. Now, you remember the first debate. The first debate was a little bit more apocalyptic um, in that nobody was able to get a sentence out and it was like, it felt like a horrible example
1: of America. <laughs> it sure did. And sort of right. like maybe like um, the death call for democracy was my sense uh, at yes, the time. Yes, all
0: of those feelings crept right. up. Um But uh, but I should should also just point out, just to be factual here, that it was Donnie that was doing most of the interrupting, not... I would say the vast majority. The vast majority. Yes, correct. So can you talk a little bit about their performance styles last night and how they, you know, like
1: Donnie didn't do as much interrupting. I mean, like, how did he come off to you? You know, I thought he seemed frankly chastened by some of the feedback that he's been getting from, I don't know, like the nation about yeah. <laughs> debate number one. Um, it turns out that just sort of bullying for 90 minutes doesn't totally make people love you. Interesting. No
0: it doesn't bring people in. Isn't that yes. fascinating? Well, you
1: know, he's really learned something. Wow. I
0: also find it fascinating that you use the term chastened in relation to him uh, about anything. It is it is remarkable, but I think it's true that he did seem chastened. Like, his his advisors were like, yo, you lost that shit, you know? Totally. And this time, uh, you got to clean it up. Also,
1: I think the mute button,
0: what do you think that did for him just as a deterrent? You know, I
1: think just the threat of its existence proved pretty powerful in terms of how it dictated performance for him. You know, what struck me, I don't know if you had these feelings, but in the first 15, 20 minutes, I found myself thinking, oh, no, he's behaving more like a human person. That's (laughs) bad for us, right? Mm -hmm. When he comes out full Trump, you know, by which I mean, like... Narcissist bully who cannot be stopped. Which um, she does eighty percent of the time. Correct. That co- that creates a contrast that is so stark and so vivid that if you happen to be um, a, a voter who might agree more with some of these conservative conservative ideas than you do with progressive ideas, the personality difference is so stark that it might actually tend you know trend you toward Biden in a way yeah. that benefits us. So I got a little nervous in the first fifteen or twenty minutes.
0: Yeah. Did you? I mean, I mean, I, and I can see that nervousness. Um, I can feel that nervousness. Absolutely. Um, because the bar is so low, and so suddenly we're like, "Well, this guy's presidential." The only thing that works against a performance like that is four years of evidence to the contrary. Right? Yes, like <laughs> t- turning it on, <laughs> turning it on for one night, like that's nice or whatever. But could you turn it on for an entire four-year period? That's the big question on everybody's mind, and everybody knows that he cannot. Right? That he generally can't do that. Um. Also. Moments like, I think blustery moments are still read as super ridiculous to people and dangerous. I think it's really, really ridiculous. Even for the average racist to say that he is um the best person on race since Abraham Lincoln. And how do you think right. that it reads for like a
1: top-notch racist as opposed yeah. to the average? I like the idea of an average racist. You know, but, but what about someone who's fantastic at it? Um, you know, I, I I agree. You know, the, the content on race was so glaringly appalling on his side. Right. Um you know, but the point that I want to kind of emphasize from what you just said though is that. That lowered bar, that's where America loses, right? He has lowered the bar for presidential behavior so vehemently and consistently that, you know, the fact that I got nervous because he's not just interrupting, that's a sign about where my expectations and national expectations have fallen to that I think is, right. is pretty depressing, right? But the, um, it is depressing, yes. But all that being said, you're right. I got less nervous as the debate carried on because the content of his comments were, I mean, (laughs) to be that mendacious, to simply lie for 90 straight minutes with no- it's incredible (laughs) you know (laughs) he it's listen the man has one incredible skill everyone has one right right and that's his remember in kindergarten where they said like everyone had a special thing inside of them he does too and his special thing is lying (laughs) that's what he does so well I will say you know I thought the moderator did a really solid job in a really shitty gig This strikes me as one of the worst gigs in journalism, being a moderator for a Trump debate, right? Yes. Um, What I I appreciated- You're
0: only going to basically be criticized afterwards. That's mostly what's going to happen to you. Um, And she, I think, did such a great job. I mean, she also had the benefit of the mute button. Correct. Which helped, like, kind of create an atmosphere of fear in the interrupting. But But she also uh,
1: held a sense of journalistic authority that was very real. Right. And did you notice, you know, I thought this was so funny. You know, here's Trump fucking releasing a 60 minutes interview ahead of time because he is a pouty baby man. And And for
0: listeners who might not know, it was a 60 minutes interview with Leslie Stalin, which he left. Um, I I presume because Leslie Stahl was just doing the work of a journalist.
1: And being a woman simultaneously. Oh, right, 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 right. Right, both those things together. So um, in an act of retribution, he sort of put out this video ahead of time, which was supposedly from his perspective, damning toward her. Of course it wasn't. So just that day, we've had a wonderful example of Trump's sexism as it relates to journalism. And then in the middle of this debate, he makes a point of saying to the moderator, by the way, I think you're doing a wonderful job. You know, and you can... (laughs) You can, I could hear his handlers practically in the next room being like, oh, thank God he took that note, <laughs> right? Tell the tell the woman of color who's running this debate that she's good no matter what. Do that, and then, and then follow that up
0: with a with a statement about you and Abraham Lincoln being the same. <laughs> you know, it was it, incredible. I, I, but I, I also th- I think one of the things that was great about Kristen Welker too was that she wasn't rattled. And what's interesting so true. is that Chris Wallace actually was rattled. He was Correct. basically rattled the entire time. Um, and so to 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 watch a woman, you know. Really hold her own, and, and not, not a woman, and a person hold, hold her own and not be rattled and continue the discussion. I mean, I do think that would with, with with such a difficult um, person in the room is 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 really wonderful. And I also want to point out about Biden, Biden. You know, he sort of gave us a similar performance um, as last time. I want to say, though, Biden, you know, watching the town hall last week, he was so much better in the town hall. And I think it's because the debate setting is is especially with someone who lies constantly and it's hard to know what to do with that. I think trips him up a little bit sometimes. I mean, I think overall, honestly, I think he did a great job, but he, he did get tripped up a little bit here and there. And I think it's just this debate setting in the town hall. He was like, basically never tripped up. I mean, it felt smooth as butter the whole time because he likes talking to people, honestly answering their questions and having the time to do it without the fear of, of being interrupted. And I think, um, that's right. I think the town hall really made him shine. Uh, but he had some moments throughout this, uh, Uh, That made him, I think, look really good. Had would you think of Biden?
1: I thought Biden did a very decent job. I wouldn't say it was an exceptional job, and there were some moments where it felt like he was searching for words. That also that always makes me a tiny bit nervous because Trump's narrative about him being sort of you know I don't know out to lunch or not having the brain capacity. um, Those moments, I I can kind of see the ad in those moments where he's searching for a word, but in a way it doesn't matter because here's what Biden really successfully did that Trump is just unable to accomplish. He is, Biden repeatedly looked into the lens of the camera, yeah. which for some reason is beyond Trump's capacity. It's amazing. He was on a TV show for many years. He cannot do it. And Biden is able to look just into it. Like, just the, the mere
0: notion that regular families are on the other side <laughs> makes, it, him, unable, makes right. him
1: unable. That's right. Makes him unable. That's right. you know, Biden has has a really strong capacity to look directly into the camera lens and with authority and clarity and a sense of moral ambition, say to the people watching, I care about you. I am speaking directly to you. I will protect you whether or not you vote for me. You know, that was done repeatedly. And I have to say, the moderator really teed them both up for that potential moment multiple times. And Trump just missed it, right? She said, what do you want to say specifically to this group of families, people of color, working class people who are living near these toxic chemical sites that you've reduced regulation for? And what Trump basically said, first of all, he doesn't talk directly to them because he's unable right. to, right? Because it's not they're not him, so he's not interested. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then he says something totally... Amoral, right? Well, they have jobs you know having a job I mean, that also right. leads to your quick death i would say is not the <laughs> preference of most americans i'm going to be bold and just say that Nikki. i feel most americans hot take,
0: folks, hot from take. Danielle.
1: thank you um, i feel i feel most americans don't want that outcome whereas joe knows what the name is for these families right like he understands them as a category and addresses them directly that's where he really shone last night i thought
0: yes and in another moment like that that w- that really was exactly the same kind of thing was the family separation. Correct. So, you know, in 2018, we saw this grotesque family separation policy that left, you know, I I don't remember at the time, but I think it was like thousands of children separated from their families. They've been able to reunite some of them, but guess how many have, are left? I think it's something like 530 or up, upwards of 500. Kids, it is north of 500, for sure. North of 500. that have not been reunited with their families. And I, look, as a daughter, I'm, I'm as a mother, at, you know, I, as a as a, sister, as a person as a, as a human, human person being, right the, every time I hear this story I cannot help but well up it is truly truly traumatizing that this happened in this country in in right. in this era right? right um and Biden was just like this is the number of children that have not been reunited with their families this is the number of children that have not been reunited with with their families and Donald Trump said, Mother fucking Donald Trump said. That's the one. I visited these places and they're treated very well, which is again, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. The children are treated well, but they get to never see their families again. That's again, not one of the choices that an average American person wants a child to have.
1: You know, it's it's the stark contrast between someone who views the presidency as a direct tether between themselves and people who are struggling and someone who views the presidency as a direct tether between themselves and more money and power. That is the distinction. And I have to say, and I'm surprised to hear myself say this because um, I, I didn't expect I would feel this way, but I actually found Biden's anger to be beautiful. You know, this is anger is not necessarily what I think we need more of right now in this time of like national shared, you know, sense of grievance, no matter what side you're on. Anger is is obviously a, a dangerous fuel for this cultural moment. But I have to say, when the subject came up of those poor kids who are without their parents who are in these detention centers, Joe's anger was so thick and righteous and felt and real. And it's what we're all feeling.
0: It's what we're all feeling in that moment that Donnie said the thing about they're treated well, Biden looked down like this fucking guy doesn't get you could see his heart break, you know. And it's not only breaking for those kids, but it felt real.
1: It's breaking for America. You could feel it. It actually hurts him in the same way that it hurts us that this is where we are in 2020. That is a connection that I think voters will feel and trust. I know I did. Last At night. least, yes,
0: and even if you don't, you can't put your finger on it. I think on a subconscious level, that is something that that um, will register. Absolutely. Now, let me, let's talk about their answers on the pandemic. I mean, so here's the thing: I want us to try and do is figure out the vision. Uh, it's funny because the New York Times headline was like, you know, uh, Biden and Trump lay out two very different visions for America. They did, like right? That. I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. and and I was like, okay, well. Was the vision that you know, as the head of the Republican Party, what is that vision? Be- and and if if the pandemic is our main issue, which it obviously is, I'm still unclear on what the vision is. Um, and I want to kind of put ourselves in the p- position of a Trump voter and say, um, and, and 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 kind of okay, if I'm voting for Trump, this is what he's going to do. Did you get an answer for that? If you, know- you were this hypothetical Trump voter.
1: I mean, in general, I would say Trump's vision is much less specified, so it's hard to kind of hone it on. But this is the general sense I got from it. I'm interested to see if you agree. The vision seems to me to be, we open everything, a lot of people get sick and die, our economy flourishes. That's what I took away is the vision, right? Because Trump was actually mocking the idea of plexiglass dividers, in a restaurant, which I think you and I would probably say is a pretty low stakes intervention
0: yeah. into yeah. daily life. Right. right. The restaurants in New York have been gleefully doing, and it's right. been great, and it is and we have the lowest rates of transmission in the country. Yes. Well, but
1: McGee in New York is so dead. Didn't you hear Trump describe it? It must be. So I guess we're <laughs> not eating at the you know, I have to say, I hope it's okay to reference here, but you and I ate at an outdoor restaurant. Yesterday, Yes, we did. That we had was, a
0: glorious time, in fact. We sure did. And
1: it was outdoor. There were dividers. It was bustling because New we York is very much alive. Oh, so, my God. You know,
0: yes, people who've been reading my, 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 who read my tweets last night, I, I, I got very angry about this because I was like, New York is fucking fireworks, motherfucker. The only thing that's dead is you are dead to us. You're never welcome back. Goodbye.
1: And the reason uh, why yeah. everyone should be supporting and caring about it and staying in New York right now, as you and I are, is because the phrase "New York is fucking fireworks, you motherfucker" w- might be on the license plate next year. Do you know what right. I'm saying? There's a <laughs> right. there's a kind of go fuck yourself life force in this place that just yeah. it, it cannot be tampered, right? But but I think you know, the vision, as I heard it, but I'm interested to you know hear your perspective. Yeah. Really was listen. People will die. We'll get used to it. People die. I mean, I, I think. And, it, and it's interesting because he didn't actually say that right. Uh, well, you know. but he did say, we're learning to live with it.
0: We're learning to live with it, right. And, and, and Biden pointing out that basically you're saying we're learning that people die. Yeah. And, that, to, and we have to live with death. That's what that means. Which is, right. Which is I, – I and mean, it's so – it's fascinating that he ha- doesn't have. So many epidemiologists are like, if we change the testing regime, we can open more things, and in an economy, I'll do this and that, and it'll be, you know, it's just like you have to do like one or two additional things, but you need national leadership to do it. Um, and and obviously, he's not saying. I think one of the things that our dear friend said um, at that glorious meal that we we went outside in a bustling New York City was, um, "What got me here won't get me there." There, right? Yes. And so, and it's kind of like what I wish Biden would just throw on every t shirt is that Trump has done everything. And what got us here is 225,000 deaths, right? That's right. So, what's going to get us to no more deaths is not the same as what has got us to 225,000 deaths. What is the plan that is significantly different than what you've done? Because what you've done has led to unbelievable tragedy.
1: Well, I obviously agree with that perception because it matches reality. Right, right, right. But but As a Trump voter. Right. The the critical question is, really, this this debate and this whole presidential contest, it's actually, sadly, not as much about the facts on the ground or what's really happened or will happen. It's much more about which reality you believe. Now, I I think the one that you and I believe is the one. But You know, you'll you'll notice, right, Trump, he can't actually defend what he's done around the pandemic. It's impossible. So the only way out of that is to say, no, 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 it's actually going great. We're rounding the corner, right? I mean, how many times are... (laughs) <laughs> like, there should be a beer game, like a tragic drinking game, where every time you hear Trump say, round the corner or Abraham Lincoln, you pull. Right? Like, it's just like, yeah, these are yeah, the yeah, two yeah, phrases yeah. over and over again. Saying we're rounding the corner every day does not make it so, unless you really believe him Do as a kind of arbitrary reality.
0: I, 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 you know, I, I just, again, I've said before, I think if you're a Trump voter, you're doing a lot of compartmentalization. I think, you know, I, I also, I don't understand, I mean... You know, I think you, you also may not necessarily follow the, the, the ins and outs. You may have not totally recognized that in, you know, between 2016 and 2018, he had full control of the government right. and did not offer up a different plan for Obamacare. Like, Correct. Like this, this idea, and this came up last night. You know, he keeps talking about, I'm going to have a big, I'm going to have a plan. It's going to be better. But it's like, dude, you've had years now to come up with another plan. What is it? What is it? What's the plan? You know what I mean? Like, well, the well plan, listen, what is the plan? Does is not the plan? Exist. There, there the plan is no plan. Exist. Because
1: the plan is anything that Obama touched, I destroy.
0: Right. And so the, the, I think, I mean, if you're, if you're a Trump voter who's on Obamacare or if you're on you know if you're on expanded Medicaid in your state um, which are, which a lot of states have uh, because of Obamacare I mean this has to be scary because it it is an unknown and where where I think I mean I'm the kind of person that really needs to hear what the <laughs> Right. I know I'm making it sound like that's so weird, but I'm that kind of person, Danielle, like a fucking weirdo who just needs to know what is the thing you're going
1: to do. Yeah. Right. Listen, I think it, that is a, what you're describing is kind of assuming that what will rationally and clearly happen to me as a personal voter is the primary thing that will dictate my choice. Yeah. I'm not sure that's always the case. Right. You know, it's, it's much more about a man on stage, and it's still men. It's much more about a man on stage who mirrors my perception of reality. I think those details about what will actually happen to me in terms of policy if I support this person do sadly sometimes recede for voters because that the sense of sort of um, righteous grievance that Trump really leads with is such a fit for where millions in the country are right now, psychologically, emotionally, in their perception, that those... Frankly, they would perceive that as sort of details that I'm not sure they're really honed in on. Um, I I wish it wasn't so, but, you know, you're right. A lot of those people should be well terrified because they are going to be denied coverage. And if anyone at this point thinks that just Trump saying, oh, pre-existing conditions will be covered, it's going to be beautiful, actually means that's going to occur, they have not been listening carefully. For right, the last <laughs> right. Four but
0: years. and and one of the things we pointed out in this week's episode was that eighty five percent of voters actually aren't listening carefully, and I that's think right. that's you know because and and look, they shouldn't. They're fucking busy. Like right. this thing shouldn't be us, you know, chewing on the exact ins and outs of every single movement. It shouldn't be that way. It's become that way. Right. Um. And so it's it's hard. I think to. Um, to say to someone who's already overloaded with life, uh, like, you know, no, the the fact of the matter is none of his promises come to fruition. So this is something, you know, I don't know know if you've
1: noticed. I'm obviously a lefty. I am extremely excited to vote Donald Trump out of office. Um, I identify strongly as a progressive. But I will say the thing that we on the left have fundamentally failed to do, basically, at least in my lifetime, is really consistently make that visceral argument for how government benefits you as the individual. Yeah. You know, until we sell that convincingly, because it's true. It's true. All of us are benefiting from government every Every single day. day. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean it doesn't have its flaws. Of course it does. But those benefits are mostly invisible. Right. It's interesting,
0: too, because it's hard. I think it's it's. It's, it's like it just gets into like a little bit of a boring territory. If you were to say, do you expect for your roads to be plowed during a snowstorm? Yes, I do. Great. Right. Government provides that service. And right now there is a bill held up by the Senate that would provide funds for local and state government to carry on because they're all fucking suffering and don't have enough money and they can't run deficits. So that bill is basically connected to your snow plowing. And it gets into this slightly boring territory to explain that connection, you know? But it's so important. Oh my God, it's so important.
1: And and I I felt something kind of analogous last night, which is, you know, Trump's. Probably most effective argument last night was like, Well, Joe, you were there for over 40 years and you didn't get it done. Right. Yeah. Right. That was sort of the refrain that he'd clearly been coached to go back to. And I thought, unfortunately, it was a pretty strong one. And the reason for that is because Joe doesn't have the time in the setup of a debate. to explain explain. that when you have a Congress working against you for the entirety of your presidential run, (laughs) vice presidential run, that actually makes it hard to do things, right? (gasps) So, again, like, you know, because our civics education is so subpar, because most people don't fundamentally understand the way government impacts every single day of your life, those moments in the debate where Trump's able to basically say, well, you didn't do it, you didn't do it, it's too boring and complicated and time-consuming yeah, for Joe to actually tell the real answer, which is, well, we tried to do it, and Mitch McConnell declared that everything we presented was a no.
0: Um, Danielle... We've run out of time. Oh, and I feel like we could talk about this for like another forty five minutes. But unfortunately we uh, we have to say goodbye um, there's d- folks people listening from uh, the Fake the Nation universe tell me what you thought about these debates um, there's so much more to chew on this time around because we actually heard some complete sentences so that was interesting <laughs> um, in the meantime I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to know uh, where to find you and follow all
1: of the amazing stuff that you do oh thank you all well, you can always find me on Instagram I'm at ddurch that's d-d-u-r-c-h you will not really find me on Twitter because I want to be happy
0: <laughs> and definitely follow her work she does such amazing stuff um and hopefully you can get i don't know maybe virtual tickets to these film festivals to see
1: to if, see your work yeah if you are in russia or the uk look me up and you can see my films in both those areas digitally starting in november
0: oh it's not it's not like an american
1: can buy a ticket it's a it. g it's called geocoding i'm told they're, oh like geo you, you.
0: yeah i hear you um, well, if you're geocoded <laughs> for the right place, please try and, and, uh, um, and, wa- and watch her stuff. It's amazing. You guys know where to find me. Let me know what you think. This was interesting, and I'll be back in your earballs next week.